Welcome to the Three Points and a Pie podcast, brought to you by the Pig and Pan Public House, Bermondsey. Sit back and listen to a few numpties chat all things football. Here's your hosts, Kyle Coulson, Colby Stevens, and Alfie Lauder. Alright, welcome back to the Three Points and a Pie podcast. I am your host, Colby, and I am with... Kyle Coulson. And Alfie Lauder. We're going to go ahead and touch on a few things this week, including our Champions League matches in our FA Cup round. But first, we're going to go over a few of the matches. Uh, let's go ahead and read off some of those score lines this week, fellas. Chelsea's a little shaky, so we'll see if that holds. Yeah, Leicester-Brentford is a big win for Leicester. Um, although there weren't too much riding on this, neither one of them are really fighting for much in the league. Um, it's definitely adding a bit more confidence back to Brendan Rodgers and his team. Um, definitely dented Brentford's chances. I think they, they're keeping them down there in the, the relegation battle, which um, as we get to the business end of the season, I think there may be a bit more entertainment in the bottom end as opposed to the top end of the table. Um, we also had the Everton-Newcastle match. Um, you know, Newcastle maintained possession, made Everton struggle. Everton, I, I feel like we're just sitting in a world where, and somehow Everton found that 99th fucking minute with a fucking red card playing with 10 men. Like, I've, uh, what do you say? What do you say? I mean, how much there, like we've said before, like, like I've talked shit about a but the motherfuckers coming up and, you know, DCL he's, he deserves a better club. That's all I have to say about that. So uh, with Brighton Tottenham, um, at least Tottenham are actually starting to find a bit of consistency. This is a game that you could have kind of put money on that they would have lost. But um, I don't know whether that's Conte actually having a, an effect on the team at this point or whether there's still some kind of Spurs moments to come. But um, at least you can see that the performances are starting to come up and it is a general consistency. Um, they're still reliant so heavily on, on Son and Kane to actually get them out of anything. But um, it will be interesting to see uh, what Kulashevsky actually brings throughout the, the rest of the the rest of the league, and um, where we can kind of find that extra component to actually give them that attacking threat, game in, game out. But um, yeah, it's a, a big win for Tottenham. Um, Brighton again, unlucky, but um, I think that's going to be the story of their season. Just unlucky. As long as they can stay in. That's all they need to do, you know, keep making the money of being in the Premier League and building on your squad from that. And I think that we'll see Brighton. I mean, we'll never see Brighton be a top four team, but I no. think that we could see Brighton be a stagnant Premier League team. Not in, not in your future, at least, right? <laughs> I think a big I, thing for them is actually getting someone up front. Um because there's well, been so many games where they, they they should have killed it off if they'd just been even more clinical. I mean, going off the stats for the, the Brighton-Tottenham game, uh, I mean, zero Mopay shots no joke, actually on target. 
No, they just, I just feel that they need that front man that can just, you know, just predator goals. Because hey, Brighton, Leilana's if, there. Maybe they need Lukaku. Well, that's not exactly going to help their numbers, <laughs> is it? <laughs> I mean, he, for their kind of play, he could, honestly. Yeah, fair play. I'm kind of on the fence about Luku. Well, who isn't? But yeah, um, well, with, with Brighton, they, they either score like it seems a, a, a really, really good goal or they just don't score at all. You kind of want that kind of grubby striker that's just going to just put it in the in the back of the net from like a couple of yards out sometimes, you know. Mm-hmm. I feel like their midfielders don't play high enough half the time. And I feel like if they did, that would create more of an opportunity for those actual forward playing guys to be in closer positions instead of being back there. But uh, yeah, so we also had the Arsenal-Liverpool match, which going into... I mean, I was hopeful. I think every city supporter in the fucking world was hopeful Second that, half. you know, Arsenal would score a goal, maybe. Um, you know, I'm not going to say anything against their play because throughout the whole match, I felt that Arsenal played a fucking good match. But it has to be said that when their chances are there, Liverpool yeah. finishes them. Yep. And... And that's the end of the game. I mean, you're talking about there. There you go. Like, like 694 touches to 702. Like that's stupidly close. 505 to 528 passes. That's stupidly close. But yeah, like fouls conceded, like all of that. It was a very fucking evenly matched game. And the chances that were there were scored by Liverpool and were not scored by Arsenal. I think Arsenal as well, uh, throughout the Throughout this season, um, they've definitely grown. I mean, it, it it goes on record as that they had a terrible start to the season. <laughs> as the league is drawing to a close this year, um, it I think with Arsenal, I mean, for me, they they have they have cemented fourth place. Um, I think for them, it's going to be keeping around now, building up for next season. It'll be interesting to see Arsenal actually in the Champions League and what Mikel Arteta. Uh, does though as a as a coach absolutely i mean do, do you think he would even at this point kind of and not to make fun of our own our own gaffer here but uh you do the same thing that pep does he goes in there and he has a great strategy and all of a sudden he wants to change it up just because he's run off that model before yeah i think this is more relative to like first year pep like when pep first came into city i mean we finished fourth you know like it was I mean, you have a team that could easily be in first place, but because you're instilling a whole new mentality into the club, an actual mentality, it takes some time for that for the players to all buy in and actually do what you're fucking asking of them. Like that whole team concept is starting to build in there. It's not like they don't have the talent while some of their spots, I mean, shit, realistically, and they're starting 11, they could probably fill like four holes at least. That's, you know, that's the game. And I think that what we're seeing from Liverpool in that win, cheers, you had a fucking good win. But I think the true story is that we're seeing Arsenal playing good football. Again, finally, after God knows fucking how long. Arsenal fans, you got your your plans for Wednesdays again. It's been a long time. Hey, we'll <laughs> see. It's still going to be Thursday. Let's be brief. <laughs> <laughs>
We're going to talk a little bit about tactics. You have way too much pubic hair. I held him in my arms and kissed him. They have to know we're fucking here to compete. You need to cool that shit out. Oh, fucking twat. So, you ready to listen to the ramblings of a freshly shaved madman? As part of our commitment to his integration back into society, here's Colby Stevens' Game of the Week. Alright, so let's roll into some of the big top, uh, big matches of the week. Uh, first, let's talk about that Tottenham Hotspur versus West Ham United match. Yeah, uh, it was a big win. Um, it was a, kind of, for me, it was a statement win. Um, I mean, West Ham, they've been top four, top five pretty much all season. Um, and again, this this kind of comes back to that Tottenham Spursiness. Uh, this would would have been a game that they would have now lost, lost. like three 0 <laughs> You know, and I do hope. I mean, I like Conte as a manager. I loved him for Chelsea. I think he always has that tendency or that risk of a massive fallout. He doesn't just leave a club. You know, he he is bringing a quite a lot of consistency to the to the club. I mean, going off of the performances, they are starting to at least either buy into his strategy or their work rates coming up without completely dominating West Ham. They, they come out on top in pretty much every step. And again, this would have normally been a, a game that Tottenham lost. So it'd be interesting to see if, if Conte does kind of stick around and he isn't popped up in Manchester over the, the summer, if he is there next season, as to what they actually do next season. I think the real question lies in what's, what was going on with West Ham? Because... Like we're saying, like West Ham's been playing better football consistent, more consistently by far than Tottenham. And like Tottenham's basically like a fucking mid-table cup team at this time or at this point, you know, like they're just scary at times, but that's about it. Right. Um, they're not really deserving the way that West Ham has played for the entire season comparatively. Yeah. Yeah. West Ham's shown a consistent effort and Tottenham's shown a one and four effort. Um, yeah. And kind of like Fred. <laughs> what the fuck is a Tottenham? Well, it's a Tottenham right now. Did, you, are they, did they actually show today, or are those just things that are moving around the fucking pitch with uh, similar shirts? I don't know. What is a Hotspur? What um, is a Hotspur? <laughs> but yeah, it's just I, I I don't know. Like I think that I mean I think that there was good football played by both sides. Youngman's on like I think that dude like. Well, it's it's just his interplay with Harry Kane that like mm. is what's making Tottenham work for the last two years. Like if that's that's why Dan Levy wouldn't fucking let him go for 127 million pound. Like 127 million pound, nope. Harry Kane stays with us even though he wants to leave. And so I'm gonna spend and half still the wants season. To. And yeah, I'm gonna spend half the season with Harry Kane pissed off at us. So he's gonna only play shit for us. And then finally, like at the end, like, well, if I play good now, then I'm upping my, like, you know, I'll show that oh, I'm worth yeah. it. Yeah. That's um, a, that I, 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 I like noticed that. And I was just like, because midseason, up until what, four weeks ago, they, they were completely, they were almost one of the most irrelevant teams in the mid table. And then all of a sudden, once the winter transfer goes by and he's like, well, I guess nobody really wanted me because nobody was trying to bid on me again. Or Daniel Levy was blocking it. Who the fuck knows? All of a sudden he started playing like the Harry Kane we've been seeing with the national team. And then, yeah, I mean, that's exactly what I feel like he's doing. He's trying to up his value going into the transfer this summer. So, 
We'll see, man. We'll see. Yeah, I I don't think that City's... I mean, like, unless City, for whatever reason, falls out completely on Holland, mm-hmm. uh, I don't see City in any way going after Kane or realistically anybody else. I think that we are going to have the deal done in the next three weeks, probably. Um, and, yeah, Erling Holland will be a City player for next season. I think that's what's going to happen. But in the event that that doesn't happen, well, for one thing, guess what? You've lost all kinds of bit, like angle that you had, Dan Levy, on us for that shit. Um, because all we have to do is be like, here's... 65 million and you're going to take it because otherwise you don't take anything next year when we take him mm. i think as I'm well pretty sure that's right i'm pretty sure he has like a year and a half left on contract with the, the story of the two teams as well i mean I, I feel that of all of all seasons this was west ham's greatest chance and opportunity to actually get fourth um i think all the the, the rest of that, the, the top six are going to go out and i think they're going to spend big in the summer and I was really surprised that they didn't really bring in too much in January. I don't think they even actually made a signing. I think come the end of the season, I think whereas Tottenham are going to be looking to strengthen and strengthen, mm-hmm. um, I think West Ham's biggest challenge is going to be keeping the few stars that they really do have. I mean, Declan Rice, I can see him going up to Man United for like 100 million. I, I don't think it'll be Chelsea anymore. Um, Suchek, uh, the rest of the players that they got, um, unless they kind of this was the season that they they could have backed and gone in big and got potentially fourth. And I think this will help make up Declan Rice's mind as to whether he goes or stays. And looking over at, at Tottenham, uh, with them bringing in like Ben Tanker, um, I've been really impressed with him. I'm always a little bit dubious when play, players come over from Italy, hmm. um, purely because I don't think... I don't think Italian football meshes too well with the EPL. I think players that are coming in from like more like the, the German leagues, uh, even like the Scandinavian leagues, mm-hmm. um, Italy and France, their players, are, it can be hit or miss. But he has actually, he, he's, he's hit the ground running for me. And I think him playing in behind more like uh, uh, Son and Kane, I think he's going to speed up and even give them another outlet. It's just, again, whether they they bring in reinforcements because Conte is going to want money. He's going to want players coming in. He's not going to be happy with the squad that he's got. And unless Levy actually backs him, you know, 100, 200 million in the summer, I think Conte is going to walk. I think he's been threatening it all season since he practically joined. So I think it's, well, yeah, I mean, for both teams, it's go big or go home. Well, and, and when Conte came in at the beginning of the season, he made a lot of promises. He, 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 he basically said that he was going to change the culture up there and it's, Where's it been? I mean, it's I, I, I think if anything, they've kind of uh, digressed a little bit. I mean, I, I stand I, I do stand by like the the first season for a manager doesn't count, in my opinion. Like you hope for a good finish. You hope for like the players to play the way they're supposed to. Um, but the first season for a new manager is fucking tough. Absolutely. And like unless unless you're like the kind of manager who is like, like if Mikel came in behind Pep and so you're going to follow, like you're going to come into Pep system and basically just play Pep system with maybe your mentality entwined, but like realistically you're brought in to play Pep system and just continue Pep system because that's what's working for us. 
Well, um, but, I, I but, want, that's what I want from our like management going forward is like a, like a, I don't want what you're seeing in United where we have pet for fucking 20 years and then we have no culture. I want pet for like eight, nine years, another manager for five, another, or whatever, you know, but like this continued culture. But how are and, they going to con- keep continuity in that culture if it isn't if it if they don't say hey you have to do it this way or and and at least this framework of you know what I'm saying? Well, that's the point is that like it you you can't be like after the first season, right? Absolutely, like, but Fuck also you, you only got us in sixth or whatever. Like you got to be also, like all right, like it's your. But first also season. going back to what I was saying though, what I'm saying is don't come into a club pro- promising to change a culture within the first season and you're not producing that. Say, you know what? I'm going to come in here. I'm going to do my very best to this first couple of seasons. And I want to try to turn this organization around rather than just coming right out hot at the gate because of you coming from where you came from and you were your top dog within that league. That's not that type of energy. That type of energy doesn't come or translate from that league to Premier League. It does. It just doesn't work like that. As we were both, we've both agreed on. It takes time to make that mold work for everybody on that squad and if you need to exchange pieces that i mean obviously there's going to be those times you know twice a year but you know you have that opportunity and you're not giving yourself so much to this fan base of this organization right up front you know it's almost giving a false promise i think as well that all kind of plays into the evolution of football um like if you look around at the the, the epl um every team most managers there now they're in their, their, their 40s. You go back EPL a few seasons ago, the average age of a manager is probably 50, 60. You're getting this, this evolution of, of tactics. Um, and then it's almost like you've got the, I hate to say it, but it's almost like the fucking force where the light side and the dark side. <laughs> you've got like the pep side That's of great it analogy. all. Where it's, it's, it's beautiful football. And then for a few seasons, that was been kind of like fighting out with the the Jose Mourinho side of football, where his football suited the ten years previous defensive, capitalize on the other team's mistakes, um, hit on the counter. But now you're seeing it where it's almost like a bastardized football, where if you combine the best of German football, the Bundesliga. The, the high press and everything else and combine that with like the Barcelona, the Spanish style mm-hmm. and played it at really a fucking fast tempo. Mm-hmm. That's where the EPL is at now because yeah. you're seeing managers. I mean, I know um, Watford with Watford, uh, the, their manager, Roy Hodgson. I mean, he's, he is a, don't get me wrong. He's a very good manager. But he's kind of like of that ilk of, you know, Sam Allardyce, all the older managers where that if you notice, they're not linked with jobs in the EPL anymore. Um, a, a couple of seasons ago, Everton would have been all over Sam Allardyce. He was kind of like the save a team for a season specialist. Every team, more or less, I mean, Bruno Large is still pretty young. Most teams are going for like managers in like their mid-40s. They thought it's so like there's this transition of football. It's across the board. And I think you're starting to see it a bit more where, like you could say, um, Mikel Arteta was Pep's protege. Ralph Ranjek, I know he's not really done much as a manager, but he's kind of spawned a whole generation of 
the, the, the best German managers that are in the league now, Klopp, he, he took some of his ideas and kind of made them his own. I think Tuchel was a lot more of um, under Ranjek's influence. But you're seeing this evolution in the Premiership, and I think that's that's where you're getting to where there's it's a new chapter in the Premier League. Basically. Yeah, yeah. Well, and gen- generally, I mean, uh, well, so I mean that that just kind of lays into the age of players right now, right? So like the whole millennial Gen Z, whatever, all that shit, like that transition age that you're playing with, that you're having to manage right now. These people don't really want to listen to the fucking boomers anymore. And so like those Sam's, those Roy Hodgins, those fucking boomers, which that's an American thing. I don't know for Brit audience, like it's baby boomers. I don't know if you you don't, you guys didn't have baby boomers after the war, did you? But anyway, um, basically that's what baby boomers are post-war babies. Anyway. uh, So yeah, there was like 60 something late fifties, late, you know, that kind of age range. No one wants to listen to those young people that are playing for these managers now. No one wants to listen to them anymore. And so that's where these young managers are starting to get a foothold is that they're, you know, they're getting that, that vibe with the players. And that's what's creating that whole renaissance that we're seeing, I think. Yeah. Uh, was it, was it Strasbourg's manager? He's only like 34. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Thiago Silva at Chelsea, he's older. You know what I mean? There's some <laughs> of these managers that are younger than the, the, the players that they're actually coaching. But, um, but yeah, I think we're seeing a, the last season or two, we've seen a whole new chapter open up in the Premier League. And for me, like the, the Premier League has never been more exciting. I don't think there's, there are no easy games in the Premiership. There's teams that you expect teams to be beaten. If it was Man City, Norwich, but on the day, you don't know if that's going to be an easy game or a hard game. I don't think there's any easy games in the EPL at the moment. I mean, the, the gist is, either way, Tottenham pulled it out. Tottenham got the points in a tough match that or that could have easily gone the other way for them. So, cheers for the three points. West Ham, you got to step a little more if you want to keep it up. Hello. Do you want to play a game? This is a test. From now on, you will speak only when spoken to. And the first and last words out of your filthy sewers will be served. Do you maggots understand that? Well, that hurts my feelings. You're listening to the Three Points in a Pie podcast. We'll be right back after these messages. This is our, our Boris Johnson, our hopefully our still Prime Minister, and and you are listening to 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 the uh, three points and a uh, pie podcast. All right, so let's leave, let's uh, let's move into this way big of a spectacle match, uh, especially uh, speaking about. Mr. Jesse Marsh, uh, this Leeds versus Wolves match. What a fucking win by the boy, Ted Lasso. Whatever. I mean, this man Jesse Marsh is the man. That's Get a, his that's name a right. Dig out. That's a dig out win. That's a dig out win. Luke Ayling coming through with that late like to draw to win to back to back wins. That's if, if if there isn't some sort of 
amazing feeling within the Leeds uh, support community. Like I, I couldn't imagine being where they were, where they've been all season, just like struggling, struggling, struggling. And then now all of a sudden Jesse Marsh comes in and wham, here we are. Here we are. We're present. We're accounted for. I fucking love it, man. I love, I love, love, love what he's been doing there. I love, sorry, UK and every other country listen to us, but I love that America is representing the EPL right now. Love it. The um, the way that they won as well, like it's one thing, I think, to, to win a game. It, it boosts your confidence. But when you get those last minute winners, I think they go into that next game and they're just flying. Mm-hmm. Um, Especially with this match coming from behind. Like um, that's that that oh man I know that feeling I've you know just playing sports when I was younger that come from behind win against the uh, a team you feel that and obviously is in rankings is a bigger dog yeah yeah I know like Wolves they got that is it the second yellow for the red uh, Jimenez went off mm-hmm. but I mean there's I don't think there's I can't remember the last time Wolves actually lost by like a goal I mean let alone three um mm-hmm. Wolves uh, Bruno Large he's got them so well drilled they may not win but they're they're, they're fucking hard to beat and I mean for me Wolves uh, right from the beginning of the season mm-hmm. uh, the performances they were putting in I think if they'd have had a decent striker um because for them it's just it's goals not scored I think mm-hmm. they'd they'd be right in the mix for fourth absolutely but, um, yeah and it's yeah, exactly. It, it's Massive always win. been mi- like missed opportunities with them. They get down in the box. They have the shot pass or through pass goes o- over to somebody and it's think off of this or miss. It's yeah. it's always just that much that they're off. So, yeah, like I'm not trying to kick Norwich when they're down. But if this was <laughs> if this was Norwich Leeds and Leeds kind of pulled this out of the hat mm-hmm. is you could kind of like accept that more. But to put that up against and Wolves, well, I mean, all of the, the top teams struggled against Wolves. They're, mm-hmm. they're a fucking good team to watch. They just just let that last little bite. Definitely a definitely a dark horse of the EPL. People don't uh people don't give them, I think, enough credit where it's due. But I mean, also being in a mid-table, you're kind of suspect to nitpicking. They've lost so much of their bite and losing players. That's all I have to say about that. Mm. All right, guys. So Great match between Leeds Wolves. Uh, final score was two to three. Um, so that concludes our weeks, guys. Thank you very much for tuning in, and we look forward to seeing you again next week. Please be sure to like, comment, share, subscribe, all our social media, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and all of the FM slash podcast channels you hear us on. Thank Apple, you I don't know, all this stuff. Find us everywhere. Woo! That wasn't too bad, was it? Now it's time for you to do a little work and click like or follow. And if you really got some life left in you, then leave a comment or review. That's me done. Got me driver waiting.